This week on I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews, I review the 2004 sports drama Million Dollar Baby, and I also give an unfortunate impromptu tribute to Power Rangers actor Jason David Frank. All this and more on I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. Hello and welcome to I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikkel Ford. This is episode 124, I believe. I believe this is episode 124. I'd have to go. I'd have to go back and check, probably. But uh, you know, <laughs> I'll know once 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 I once I'm once I'm done and I gotta put this whole thing together. I'll I'll know. Um. At the top of the segment, you guys are probably wondering why was he playing the Green Ranger theme song? Like what like why am I turning on this podcast about movies? He's talking about a movie that won an Academy Award, you know, won several Academy Awards. Like it won several Academy Awards. And I get bombarded by the Green Rangers theme song. Why is that? And I'm playing the Green Ranger theme song. It's a sad reason I'm playing the Green Ranger theme song. Because unfortunately, the actor that played the Green Ranger, Jason David Frank, has passed away. This is just breaking news. I found out about this. Uh, from a uh, 
just from a from a friend of mine on social media i just went on social media and it said rest in peace and i was like and it had a picture of the green ranger jason david frank who played tommy oliver the green ranger he was the green ranger he was the white ranger he was the red ranger he was the black ranger uh is there any other rangers he was i think that was it because like he played five different power rangers throughout his uh throughout his uh career uh at first he was the green ranger then he was the white ranger then he was the he was the red ranger twice uh and then he was the he came back several years later to play the black ranger um on uh power rangers dino thunder but i'll get all i'll get into all of that later but i found out about this from social media and it just like took me aback you know because uh for if this is your first time listening to this podcast you may not know that i am and the people that and the people that do listen to this podcast know this i am a huge power rangers fan i was i was a huge power rangers fan growing up uh i fell out of it like most kids did you know towards like the mid 90s mid to late 90s fell out of it got back into it as it became a uh a underground phenomenon again like because i found out around 2006 2007 that there were power rangers conventions you know there's a convention called power morphicon where like power ranger like adult power ranger fans and kid power ranger fans can go and meet their favorite power rangers and the power rangers sit on the panel and tell stories about what it was like on the set it's like this it's like the uh it's like the star trek uh conventions it's like it's a it's very much like the star trek conventions how you have the star trek conventions and like uh, Patrick Stewart and LeVar Burton and all those guys like you get like the guy that played Riker I forgot his name uh god dang it uh I forgot his name or Jonathan Franks Jonathan Frank shows up you know William Shatner shows up you know all those people like it's like that's what the power morphicon is the power morphicon is pretty much like the Star Trek convention for like millennials it, it's the millennial star trek convention because like a lot of millennial kids grew up on power rangers and a lot of millennial kids grew up on power rangers so like this is where we go to see our favorite childhood heroes um but and jason david frank was a mainstay he showed up to pretty much every power morphicon uh there ever was pretty much like he was uh, he was pretty much almost always there uh i've heard like stories about him you know just you know just being a nice guy being being good to the fans you know just you know he'll take pictures with them and sign stuff and and, like he had the wackiest stories (laughs) about the show because i think he knew the most about the show because like he was the a lot of people would say that he was the heart and soul of Power Rangers. He really was, cause he was he, he was there the longest. He was the longest serving Power Ranger ever, I wanna say. Uh because 
a lot of the originals left before him, uh, and he lasted. Up, he played a Power Ranger from 1990, from 1993 to about 1998. You know, at least like 1998, like early 1997. I want to say till about like either 1998 or 1997. That's when he left. He finally left the show, and he left for a while. And then he came back in like 2002, 2003, I believe, uh, as the uh, as the Black Ranger on um, Power Rangers Dino Thunder. But yeah, man, this is a this is a really really shocking death. I did not expect to because I hadn't been looking at because I hadn't been looking at the the internet like this whole this whole morning because like I was prepping for my show I was prepping for the show I was watching the movie I was getting my notes together getting everything together and the first thing I turn on is they say Jason David Frank dead and I'm like what it just comes out of out of nowhere and he and it was a it was a suicide sadly it was a suicide I know that he was going through things recently uh he was going through a divorce you know with his uh with his wife i think his wife accused him of adultery i believe i don't, i hate to throw that on top of this but but like it is a key uh in why this man might have taken his own life you know because he was going through a divorce you know and like his wife accused him of adultery it's just, it's just sad that he, that he went out that way, man. It's just like, cause this guy, like, I'm like, I'm like, like, this guy was a fucking childhood hero of mine, man. Like I wanted just like every other, I think like, it's like every other boy that grew up in the nineties, they wanted to be the green ranger. They wanted to be the white ranger, you know, you know, like it was just the Tommy Oliver was just the badass character, you know, this is the badass dude, like guys, a real martial artist. You know, like all the all the martial arts he did, he did himself. Most of them did did all the stunts themselves, but he was real skilled at what he knew. You know, and it's just it's just really sad because like we also lost because like I forgot to mention like because like we also lost Kevin Conroy, another like childhood hero of a lot of millennial kids. You know, like we lost Con- uh, Kevin Conroy. If you don't know, if anybody doesn't know who Kevin Conroy is, Kevin Conroy was the voice of Batman for. Uh, he's been the voice of Batman for thirty years, pretty pretty much. Like, and like he was still doing the voice of Batman up until the day he died. You know, so it's like it's like it's like really sad, and like it really hits me hard too to lose like two childhood heroes like back to back, man. You know, cause I loved Kevin Conroy and I love Jason David Frank. You know, like like those are my two those are my two guys growing up, man. Like I love Tommy and I love Batman. You know, so <laughs> I used to watch the shit out of both of those shows. I used to love watching Batman the animated series and I used to love watching fucking Power Rangers. So like this really like this really hits hard, man, and it's shocking. And like, and it just comes in the wake of the Power Rangers 30th anniversary. Like the 30th anniversary is coming up next year. And they're supposed to be doing a reunion special for Power Rangers. Like a lot of the original Rangers 
are showing up. Like they're in the uh, they're in the special because uh, like there, there's actually a picture, uh, a snapshot of like the original Rangers there. Uh, also because um, uh, Tweet Trang, another original Power Ranger who passed away. Um, so that's two original Rangers that are gone now. Um, they made a character uh, to represent her in uh, the Power Rangers uh, folklore. They made a uh, a, a new uh, they made a daughter for her. Actually, they made a daughter for Trini, the character. So like her daughter is going to be a stand-in for her in the um, in the special in the reunion special. Uh, but like you got Walter Jones who played Zach back. You're gonna have David Yost back. Um, you're gonna have uh, Johnny Unbosh back. Karen Ashley's coming back. Who was the second? They were the second Black and Yellow Rangers. Uh, wasn't it? They, they, I guess they weren't able to get Amy Jo Johnson. They weren't able to get uh, Austin St. John because Austin St. John has legal has legal issues. Austin St. John is the original Red Ranger. Uh, Jason. Amy Jo Johnson, the original Pink Ranger, uh, Kimberly, you know, but, but yeah, but, and it was just, and it was kind of chilling to me too, like, I go back, and talking about Jason David Frank's death again, I go back, and I look at that last video I saw of him that he posted on social, he posted on social media that I saw, I don't know if that was the last video I saw it, and he was just talking about like he's done. He was just saying that he's done with Power Rangers. He said that's what he said because like he was talking about I'm tired. I've done all I could do for Power Rangers, and he has. Like he 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 came back numerous times. Uh, last time he came back was um, they had like a, a team up episode in uh, Power Rangers Ninja Steel. Like he came back for that. That was like his last appearance. Uh and like but like he was in he was sitting in his car i believe he was sitting in his car and he was saying like he's just done with power rangers he was saying like i'm done with power rangers i'm not coming back anymore i'm 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 tired of um like i'm tired because he had like shit ton of tattoos <laughs> like, like he had tattoos up to his neck he was like covered in tattoos you would have thought he was like a yakuza member or some shit but he was covered in tattoos and he just said, like, I'm done with Power Rangers. And he's like, I'm tired of covering up my tattoos. You know, like, uh, he's like, I'm, uh, I've, I've done all I could do to keep the franchise moving, to keep it going. He's like, I want to move on and do other things, is what he said. He's like, I want to move on and do other things. He's like, I don't want to just be known as just the Power Rangers guy, you know. And I remember, I, like, I remember that you know, that, uh, that, that last video, and he, I was like, wow, I was like, you look back on it, I was like, maybe that's when he thought about it, you know, maybe that's when he thought about ending his life, you know, because, like, this isn't the first Power Ranger that's taken his own life, Uh, a couple years ago, uh, one of the later Power Rangers, uh, 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 Pua Mesagiva, played a uh, Shane the Red Ranger on a uh, Power Rangers Ninja Storm. He uh uh ended his life like a couple years ago. I want to say this is happening like 2000. I think they want to say this happened like 2019, two, maybe 2020. It was it was recent. 
it was very recent yeah he ended his life so like this is like this is the second power ranger suicide you know and and like this 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 show has a bunch this show is just turning into like a like a curse man like it just has a bunch of it just has a bunch of like sad stories now like what just happened to jason david frank uh what happened to pua uh what happened to rick medina uh who played the wild who played the wild force red ranger uh he went to he went to jail for murder um there's rumors uh, there's rumors i'm gonna get rumors there's rumors about michael capone who was the blue ranger on uh time force like sexually assaulting a young girl you know like there's uh what happened with um oh i'm trying to remember uh what happened with austin st john he's got legal issues going on you know uh twee trang not with us anymore uh david yost spilling the beans about what happened by him being bullied on sex on the set because he was because he's gay you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that went on in the power rangers uh universe uh like in in on the set and in just in this universe i was like this show is not the happy go lucky campy show that everybody thinks it is you know they're like oh happy go lucky blah 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 blah. i'm like this show could have an e-true hollywood story you know like like it really could like with all the things that have happened throughout the years with this show uh saban not paying people uh like a lot of the, a lot of the actors walked away because they didn't get paid you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that's behind the scenes like not even in front of the camera like behind the scenes that is like rife for like a e-true hollywood story or a documentary about power rangers you know like there's a lot of a lot of stuff has gone on behind the scenes of this show and a lot of people have went down uh in the wake of being on this show like and their afterlife after this show you know it's it's really crazy i was just because like i look at this i was like damn like another tragic power rangers story because that seems that seemed to be what was happening because tweet because really like tweet train was like the only tragedy for years you know like tweet train dying was the only tragedy for years but then after that it's just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy with this show you know like all the things that i named you know like it's just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and like jason david frank's death it's just another tragedy on this show. And it's crazy, but I'm gonna stop I'm gonna I'm gonna stop rambling right now. I'm just gonna say, man, just like rest in peace to Jason David Frank, man. Like, dude was a childhood hero of mine. I wanted to be this dude growing up. Like, no no cap, no bullshit. Like, I really wanted to be this dude growing up. And it was funny because he actually lives here in Houston, Texas. Like, he lived here in Houston, Texas. He lived, like, I want to say 30 miles, maybe 20 miles away in the, uh, the neighboring city that I live in. 
you know i i've heard like he lives in like a neighboring city of mine i never ran into him i I wished i would have ran into him and i told him like yo bro you're an inspiration to me man you're like i grew up watching you man you were like a hero to me but but um like i never got that chance and never will get that chance like because i've never because i never went to a power morphic because they're mostly held in california they're mostly held in los angeles you know so i never really got the chance to go to one you know but yeah man it's it's really sad man just real sad and all i got to say is just like rest in peace to that man and condolences to his uh family to his wife to his uh to his kids everything man to the rest of the power ranger universe and the power ranger family the other ranger actors that got acquainted with him and were friends with him you know because like all those guys were pretty all those guys were pretty close like the whole all not all of them but because like jason did have problems with austin like those two aren't close but like for the most part that those power rangers actors are like a big they're a big happy they're a big family with each other whenever they see each other you know like they even like do things together like away from power rangers i've seen you know but uh yeah man just rest in peace to that man that's it um i'll be back with my review of million dollar baby after these messages million dollar baby from 2004 let's get into the technical first this movie was directed by clint eastwood the screenplay was written by paul Haggis. uh the budget for the movie was 30 million dollars and the box office for it was 216.8 million dollars it made a lot of money at the box office also especially for a small movie for a small movie like that's pretty big <laughs> you know <laughs> to be a have a 30 million dollar budget and make 200 million back that's pretty fucking big that's not that's not nothing to, to sneeze at uh also this movie won the academy award for best picture it won four academy awards it won uh best picture it won best uh it won Best uh, a- uh, Director for Clint Eastwood. It won Best Actress for Hilary Swank. And it won Best Supporting Actor for Morgan Freeman. I don't know why I said his name like that. I said Freeman. <laughs> I don't know why I said his name like that. But uh, the movie has an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 90%. That's pretty damn good. Uh, that's pretty much it for the technical uh, let's talk about how I saw this movie as a kid. Uh, I actually saw this movie in the theater, if you believe it or not. I was... Oh, was I? I think I was 17. I want to say I was 17 years old when I saw this movie. And, um... Was I 17? I think I was 17. But, um... This was when I was at the height of my cinema snobness. Like, I was at the height of my cinema snobness like snob horrific uh from the ages of like 13 to about maybe 25 maybe later than that like probably 30 probably 30 
I was like really into like art house films. Like I was a huge cinephile. I became like a huge cinephile because like when I was a little kid, I just like, you know, like with kids, like I like kid movies, I like action movies, you know, and then I would like watch whatever my parents were watching because that's what you did back in the day. They don't do that anymore. Kids don't, kids don't watch whatever their parents is watching anymore because like everybody's got like a tablet everybody's got uh, a laptop you know like like does family time even exist because i know it does it doesn't even exist in my household because i try to get my daughter i have a six-year-old daughter i try to get my daughter to watch what i'm what to watch what i'm watching and she doesn't want to watch it she just gets on her tablet and she watches what she wants to watch. She turns on Netflix or she turns on Disney Plus and watches what she wants to watch. She watches like fucking Bluey all day or some shit, you know? Like, or like uh, ja- she watches like, like Japanese anime. She's really into anime, my daughter. And I try to get her to watch what I I can try to get her to watch something with me. And she's like, nah, you know, <laughs> I don't want to watch this. You know, because like I think yesterday I'm going off on I'm going off on the tangent here. Like if you knew this happens um, like yesterday, I tried to get her to watch Young Rock with me and she just walked out of the room. You know, because <laughs> like, hey, let's spend, let's let's spend some time together. Let's watch a Let's watch a show. You know, like she wanted me to watch some anime stuff with her. I watched it and I was like, OK, now let's watch uh let's watch something together you know let's watch uh let's watch young rock and my daughter just got up and walked out of the room and i'm like for real like but kids don't do that anymore it's like it seems like kids just don't sit down and watch whatever their parents watch watch because back in the day back in the day we watched whatever was on tv like whatever our parents had on tv that's what we were watching because a lot of the times there was only one television you know (laughs) a lot of the times there was only one television i remember growing up we had two tvs but still but still i sat down and what it was like a demand you sit down and watch what we're watching from like seven o'clock to like uh 10, 10 o'clock because like that was like my bedtime i would go to bed at 10 p.m but um they would let me stay up from like seven to nine and then we just watch whatever and and like that's how i that's how i like a lot of the sitcoms i like because i was watching with them i wouldn't have i wouldn't have liked martin you know like, you know like, if i watched it by myself you know <laughs> or maybe i would have i don't know who knows but um yeah a lot of this stuff because there's a lot of the stuff that a lot of millennial kids grew up on like we like it because our parents liked it you know that's the only reason we liked it um but um yeah man but kids don't do that no more they just don't sit down and watch television with their parents anymore they just don't do it because like i said my kid walked out of the room she's like i don't want to watch this and she just walked out i was like for real you know but uh but yeah man that was that was my little tangent but like like i was saying but like this is uh leading up to me talking about uh like that's what i watched before i was like 13 i watched whatever my parents watched and cartoons and all this stuff but like once i hit 13 i became a cinephile like a huge cinephile 
I watched like a lot of art house movies. Like we used to have this theater downtown, uh, downtown New Orleans, that used to show like all the art house movies and like all the Oscar Buzz movies. It used to show like all those movies. That's actually where I. That's actually where I saw this movie. That's actually where I saw Million Dollar Baby. I saw that Million Dollar Baby in that theater. Uh, it was like a small little art house theater. It was like in a giant, like, uh, not a strip mall. It wasn't a strip mall because it's in the city. Like, you have to drive into the city to go. <laughs> you have to drive into the city to go see this movie. Like, uh, to 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 go see this movie. Got drive through. Uh, like this, is like in the like the heart of the, like the French Quarter. You know, and around Bourbon Street, like you got to drive through the French Quarter, like through Bourbon Street, through all that stuff, and like there's this big like uh, glass building. You know, it's like a big galleria, and it's like a big galleria, and that's where the uh, that's where the art uh, the art house was, the art uh, movie house was. I said the art movie house, but that's where the movie theater was, and like there was like a Sabaros across across the across the hall from it you know it was like because like i used to eat at that sabaros all the goddamn time every time you know <laughs> that's how i remember that sabaros because like it was theater and then hmm, i'm hungry sabaros you know so it was like, let me go eat at sabaros but um yeah man that's why i saw this that's why i saw this theater and that's why i saw this movie excuse me that's why i saw this movie and i i would go to like every friday or every other friday at least and watch these movies because like I was such a goddamn cinephile I kind of calmed down on being a cinema snob you know like it's like the older I get like the more I don't want to think so like I enjoy a lot of popcorn movies now like a lot of the the superhero stuff I go crazy about you know like because like it's fun and you don't really have to think very much but it's not as stupid you know like if there's anything that's really fucking stupid, I still don't like it. Like those Fast and the Furious movies, like I can't, I can't stand those movies. Like those movies are really fucking dumb and they make no goddamn sense. But yeah, man, like I remember, I remember really liking this movie as a teen. Though I remember that. I remember going to the movies and seeing this and like, wow, this is a, this is a great movie. <laughs> you know, so I remember saying, I remember saying. But let's see how i like this movie as an adult first off we start off with uh uh luke cage is in this movie uh the actor who played luke cage is in this movie as a boxer what's that act that actor's name is mike coulter mike coulter is in this movie which i didn't even realize i didn't even realize he had been acting for this long honestly because like you know how it like seems like actors like hit the scene out of nowhere like they just come out of nowhere it's like oh they're an instant success it's like they were like it's like they were like on the street like years before and then all of a sudden it just lucked up and became actors and you're like hey here i and they're like hey here i am you know but (laughs) but that's not how it is at all like because like you see them it's something that came out like 10 years later before they like it 10 years ago before they were famous you see them in something like that and then you're like oh this person's been acting for a while now you know 
and but like it always seems that way to me it always seems like these people come out of nowhere where it's just like because like uh jonathan majors is a, a a huge star now you know like that, that that guy's a huge star now and it just seemed like he came from nowhere but i guarantee you he was in something before he became a huge star i guarantee you uh he just like it's, but it just seems like that guy just hit overnight like it just seems like he just became a star overnight but that's not how this works like nobody becomes a star overnight that's just not how this happens but it just seems like that's how it happens but anyway moving on uh hillary swank plays uh maggie fitzgerald a female boxer looking to make it big in the boxing world so she looks to frank dunn played by clint eastwood to get her to the next level and be her trainer right off the bat man right off the bat clint eastwood's character says some sexist shit to hillary swank <laughs> like just right off the bat i don't know what's wrong with fucking clint eastwood man i guess it's just old white man i guess i don't know like to be honest to be honest i never really been a fan of clint eastwood i've never been a clint eastwood fan like even now i'm not really a fan of his he always comes off to me as fake machismo. That's what he comes off to me. He comes off to me as fake machismo. Like he uses his masculinity as a shield to hide the fact that he's really a bitch. You know, like, you ever seen one of those guys? You ever seen one of those guys with like, they're like macho and tough all the time. And you're like, dude, calm down. Like, like you ain't got to be like this here. Calm down. We're at a fucking baby shower. <laughs> you know, like chill, you know, <laughs> some shit. Because honestly, I don't think Clint Eastwood is that tough. I honestly don't think that Clint Eastwood is that tough. Like, he reminds me of John Wayne. Because, like, I heard stories that John Wayne was a coward in real life. Like, a real, like, chicken. Like, he was a coward. And I feel the same way about Clint Eastwood. Like, because... It's easy to be tough in Hollywood. It's real easy to be tough in Hollywood. Because mostly everyone is a coward in Hollywood. Like this there's no there's, there's, there's like bullies in Hollywood. But like a lot of a lot of people in Hollywood don't want no trouble. They don't want no trouble. They don't like being confronted. They don't want no danger. You know, they don't want that. And so like it's kind of easy for Clint Eastwood to like like throw his weight around and everybody think he's the baddest motherfucker on the planet but really he's probably not i bet if you put clint eastwood in a real life or death situation he would fold like an accordion you know <laughs> i bet he would fold like a dollar bill if you put him in a real life or death situation if you put him in a real situation where he gotta fight somebody like if somebody was like man i ain't scared of you you know, and he'd be like, what? You know, <laughs> he would probably back off. I guarantee you, he would probably back off if somebody just say, man, I ain't scared of you. You know, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But he's the, he's the director here, so he makes himself look like a tough guy. Morgan Freeman is also in this movie as Scrap Iron Dupree, a former boxer and a gym assistant 
gets called a nigger by Jay Bertrell <laughs> in the first minute of seeing his face is like it just comes out of nowhere it's jarring I don't even remember this in the movie it's been a long time it's been a long time since I've seen this movie so so like when Jay Bertrell if you remember Jay Bertrell Jay Bertrell is like the skinny kid like Seth Rogen's like skinny friend from Knocked Up like he's he's that guy I think he was also in This Is The End like he's one of like Seth Rogen's buddies uh but like Jay Bertrell comes up to Morgan Freeman and just calls him a nigger he just says I don't hate niggers by the way and like Morgan Freeman's like what and he's like okay it's good to know but uh you know <laughs> and I was like wow because like we don't see Morgan Freeman like, Morgan Freeman's like narrating the whole thing like the best thing that Morgan Freeman can do that's what he's known for he's a, he has that silky smooth voice that uh that just makes all the panties wet I guess I don't know but uh <laughs> there is this um this clip of uh Morgan Freeman talking about women <laughs> we're like uh I think it was on like Piers Morgan or something like that and like Piers Morgan I guess he was like talking to him about women and uh Morgan Freeman was like hey, I ain't got to chase women or <laughs> something like that. He said, women come to me or something like that. He, he said something like that. He was talking about women come to me. I ain't got to chase women. And he tell, like telling dudes, like, stop chasing women. And he was just like, they'll come to you. So I think I got the, uh, I think I got the clip on my Facebook or something like that. It's, it's, it's a real, like, intriguing clip. You know, real in, intriguing clip. But yeah, like he narrates this, uh, this whole uh, movie. Like, so like you hear Morgan Freeman's voice, but that like that was the first time we see Morgan Freeman's face is when he's being called a nigger by Jay Bertrand. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's the first time we see him. Wow, great, great. Speaking of before they were famous, Anthony Mackie and Michael Pena are also in this movie as boxes. Um... Michael Pena is kind of a racial stereotype. Anthony Mackie is too, but it's not as bad as Michael Pena because Michael Pena has this like terrible like Mexican accent. You know, it's even worse than like the one he does in Ant-Man, which like that one's great. I love that one. Like the one he does in Ant-Man is awesome. And, but here it's just like, Hey man, hey man, uh, you got to hit the bag, man. You got to hit the bag. Come on, man. You know, I was like, that is a terrible, terrible Mexican accent from a guy who's fucking Mexican. You know, <laughs> it was like you couldn't do a better accent than that. <laughs> like, wow, I'm like, you are Mexican. You could do a better Mexican accent than that. All right, but I would rather him not do it at all. Just use his regular voice. I would rather him not do it all, do it at all, and do it, you just use his regular voice. Like his regular voice is fine. Why do you have to have a goddamn accent? That didn't make any goddamn sense to me. But um, anyway, I really wish uh Morgan Freeman was the lead in this movie because there is a scene with him and uh, Hillary Swank where like Hillary Swank is hitting the punching bag and Morgan Freeman is showing her how to hit it right because like she's like. She's hitting it wrong, and I think he's talking about you're gonna break your wrist doing that or something like that. 
and but like he she's like teaching her and he's showing her how to hit it right and the, they have great chemistry in that scene and like I think it would have just been a better story to me if Morgan Freeman was the ex-boxer turned trainer that trained Hillary Swank than uh, Clint Eastwood's character who has no in-ring experience you know training her you know like he, like Clint Eastwood's uh Clint Eastwood's character is not a former boxer like he was just a I think he was just a cut man like he was just a dude that cuts guys faces and then he became a manager it was like what you know like, you have I know he's been around boxing a lot but it just would have been a more I think it would have just been a more intriguing story to watch this former boxer like train this girl who wants to be a boxer that would have I think that would have been a better story to me I don't know I didn't write the shit so maybe they, I don't know but um they love uh they love casting Anthony Mackie as a bully in like the mid 2000s. They just love that shit. Cuz like I was watching this movie, just watching this movie cuz Anthony Mackie is kind of a bully in this movie cuz like he messes with uh Hillary Swank for a little bit. He doesn't mess with her for long because like she kind of uh like she kind of like checks him cuz like he was talking about her titties or something like that. <laughs> they say that she got little titties. Cause like you like oh look at this girl he was like look at he was like that is a girl he was like she got some little bitty titties or something like that he said and then um and then like Hillary Swank like checks him and shit like she was like she was like she I think she said like you were on the ground so much I would have thought that the floor had titties or something like that she said some shit like that but um but like he he is kind of the bully he was trying to bully her she checked him and then he moves on to like Jay Bertrell's character and like really tries to bully him. Uh, which I'll get to Jay Bertrell's character in a minute. I'll get to him in a minute. Like, but between this and Eight Mile, like I'm surprised that Anthony Mackie didn't get typecast as the bully character. I'm surprised he didn't get typecast as the villain because, and I never really, I never, he never really gave off. Anthony Mackie never really gave off tough guy. You know, he never really gave off that, 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 he never really gave off bully to me. You know, even when he played bullies, even in 8 Mile, I was like, I'm, I'm not scared of this dude. You know, I, I don't doubt that he's a tough guy. I'm like, I don't doubt that he's not a tough guy. But he just, and maybe that's the best thing, because I was just talking about tough guys. I was just talking about Clint Eastwood being tough guy but he might really be soft on the inside but that that is the best way to run run around in life that is the best way to move around in life is just to be just the unassuming guy because like when people mess with you and you knock them the fuck out then they'll know better not to fuck with you anymore you know so you know so, so maybe that's maybe that's what anthony mackie gives off to me you know, but he doesn't really give off like outwardly tough guy. Like they like they always cast him as like they cast him as like that's sometimes he gets cast as a villain. And I'm like, I don't believe you, Anthony Mackie. You're a nice guy. You know, so <laughs> that's how I feel. But um But yeah, man, let's talk about uh Clint Eastwood and his sexist ways again. Like Clint Eastwood's a sexist asshole in this movie. God damn. Like he, like he says that women's boxing is a freak show. 
like he says that to Hillary Swank. He was like, I'm not gonna do it. Like women's boxing is a freak show because like Hillary Swank is constantly trying to get him to be her trainer. She's calling him boss and all this stuff, and he's like, I'm not your boss. You know? <laughs> and she's like, All right, she's like, All right, boss. And she was like hitting the bag and shit. And she's just constantly trying to get him to uh be her manager. Uh but like he's a sexist asshole. Like that's why I'm not sad when like uh when Mike Coulter leaves his ass. I'm not sad when like cause like Mike Coulter is his uh client. And Mike Coulter's like, man, I'm done with you, man. You're not getting me the fights I want. You know, I got to leave. I got to go to some I got to go somewhere else. Somebody else is gonna take me to the top. I can't stay with you. But um, yeah, he's so like he's gone. Let's get to uh, Jay Bertrand's character. Uh, Jay, I don't know if Jay Bertrand's character is supposed to be mentally challenged. If he's supposed to be mentally challenged, he's doing a bad job at it. He really is. He's doing a bad job at it. Like that character reminds me of Simple Jack from uh, Tropic Thunder. You remember when Ben Stiller played Simple Jack? I was like, yeah. I was like, he went full retard on this. He went full retard on this. I don't know if he thought he was going to get like a Best Supporting Actor nomination for this because he knew because he kind of knew that this movie was going to get nominated for an Oscar because who knows? Who knows what you're making? But sometimes you have a feeling about what you're making. You know, and, you, and he's like, man, I'm going to put on for this one. I'm a, I'm going full retard for this. And it's just like, nah, nah, son, it's bad. It's really bad. But <laughs> It's really bad. Uh, <laughs> but Frank, in the end, Frank takes Maggie on as his client. But that's only because uh, Mike Colter's character, Big Willie, Big Willie leaves him and he has no other clients because like, I didn't see him train anybody else but Big Willie. <laughs> you know, like I didn't see him train Anthony Mackie. I didn't see him train Michael Pena. You know, I didn't see him train any of those guys. Uh, I just saw him train Big Willie. Like Big Willie was his only uh client. And so uh he doesn't have a client anymore. That's the only reason he takes Maggie on as a client. Uh Frank keeps bringing up the fact that Maggie is a woman, you know, like, he keeps bringing it, I'm like, okay, like, okay, we get it, she's got tits, okay, we get it, and you think she's lesser than you, like, we understand, cave, caveman Clint, we understand that shit, you don't like women doing shit, we get it, okay, you don't have to keep reminding us that she's a woman, we can clearly see that that's a woman stop reminding us that that's a woman please um there's a boxing sequence in this movie where hillary swank is just like dropping girls you know she just going up and then just giving them the two-piece special just bop 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 just knocking them out it's kind of funny i'm not gonna lie it's kind of funny but like it's actually some good it's actually some good stuff those are some good boxing scenes like very well shot boxing scenes and like this is actually when the movie starts to pick up 
uh, when uh, Man- when Maggie actually starts boxing in the ring, which like happens like an hour into the movie. You know, like this is like this is when the movie starts getting a little fun. Like Hillary Swank is uh, doing her best in this role, like the best she could do in this role. It, like it kind of reminded me of her role in uh, Next Karate Kid, but with the art house shine on it. You know, I know a lot of people are like blasphemy, Next Karate Kid, but it kind of reminded me of that. She's the young fighter uh, who's listening to the old man. Who's trying to take her to the next level? It kind of reminded me of Next Karate Kid with her. She got in incredible shape for this role, though. Like she is swole as fuck in this movie. Like she is. She has an incredible fucking body in this movie. My God. Like I'm surprised she doesn't have an MCU role yet. Like she she shows that she could get in shape. When she wants to get in shape, she can get in shape. Like she had. An incredible body in this movie oh like like mcu like marvel call her like maybe she could be tigra in the future or some shit i don't know because tigra's not in the mcu yet we could use tigra uh but yeah i really think the second half of this movie is way better than the first like it's a more cohesive story and like all those like weird characters go away because like all those characters in the first half other movie like really going nowhere and they're unnecessary like really unnecessary like anthony mackie's character michael Pena's character uh jay Burchill's character like i don't know those characters just really got on my nerves or they really don't mean anything uh because like we don't see them very often and then when they show up it's just like where's this going the fuck is this going i don't these characters are not needed why we fucking need these characters i don't know but um that's just me that's just me personally Maggie's family is just straight white trash. Like, just straight white trash. And they don't give up. They don't give a fuck about her. Like, they're ungrateful as fuck. Because Maggie... Maggie buys her mom a house uh, with her boxing money. And her mom is the... Her mom is just bitching about welfare. She's just like, how come you buy me this house? If you buy me this house, this house looks good. They ain't gonna give me my welfare anymore. Or something like that. All this shit. And Maggie's just like, wait, calm down. She's like, calm down. I'm making good money. I could pay for everything. You know, like, is what she said. She's like, I could pay for everything. I could pay for your bills. I could pay for everything. I'm making good money. And her mom... And her mom is just ungrateful. Like, her mom is ungrateful. She got her sister there. Her sister ungrateful as fuck. Just bitching. Just bitching about goddamn welfare. Where Maggie is just like, y'all y'all don't have to be on welfare anymore. She's like, that's what I'm telling y'all. She's like, I'm telling y'all y'all ain't got to be on welfare no more. Because I'm making good money. I'm fucking making millions of dollars now. <laughs> fuck welfare. She's like, you know what? Like, but like they just they just stuck in that they just stuck in that 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 poverty mentality you know just stuck in that poverty mentality and they can't think beyond the stars because that's what poverty does to you like poverty doesn't make you think you could be better than what you really are doesn't think you could get more than what you can you just get stuck in that and that's uh that's maggie's family maggie had the uh the ability to even be in poverty to think more than what she is you know and I, that's what i like about that character that character is like 
I'm not going to be this for the rest of my goddamn life. She's like, I'm not going to be this. I could be more. You know, she got out of that mentality and became more. Like, her, the rest of her family didn't do that shit. And they didn't. Un, they don't understand what she's doing. You know, like, that's a, that, that's a part of it, too. But they're also kind of ungrateful. They're kind of ungrateful. And I, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about as this goes on. But um, as the movie goes along... Frank starts lighting up, lighting up to Maggie. Like, stop mentioning that she's a girl, like, all the goddamn time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a good thing. And he also gets Maggie a title shot. He gets Maggie a title shot. She fights this woman called Billy the Blue Bear. <laughs> you know, like, she fights a woman called Billy the Blue Bear. And, like, she's, she looks mean as shit. Like, she, like she be walking around with them goddamn uh with them goddamn uh Cleo from Set It Off braids, you know. <laughs> she walking around with them, she walking around with them goddamn prison braids in her hair, and like she fights dirty. She's a dirty fighter, you know. And like she's a dirty fighter, and like this is where I'm, I'm mentioning that she's a dirty fighter because this movie takes an unexpected turn because Billy ends up paralyzing Maggie. And we never know. We never know if it's an accident or it's intentional. You know, because of Billy's reaction to it. She has like this kind of like, you know, pedestrian reaction to it. She's not like, yeah, that's what that bitch gets. But she's also not like, oh my God, is she okay? You know, she just has this like pedestrian look on her face. So you don't know whether she did that shit on purpose or whether she she did that on accident we don't know whether it was an accident or not and it's probably best that way that they kept it vague because in any other boxing movie in any other boxing movie maggie would have learned how to walk again you know because mary maggie's paralyzed remember maggie would have learned how to walk again they would have had like a whole montage of her learning how to walk and then she would have got back in shape and, and boxed again and fought Billy again and took a title but this movie but this movie is supposed to be real so they can't do that so most but like most of the so like most of the rest of the movie is Hillary Swank lying in a bed which is probably what she won the Oscar for because like the academy likes weird shit like that is what that's what they like uh like i said Maggie's family ain't shit like she gets paralyzed and her family is trying to get money out of her. Like, they're trying to take advantage of her because she's paralyzed. And, like, it take them it take them six days to go see her, by the way. They were in town the whole time, but they went to, like, goddamn Universal Studios or some shit, I think, <laughs> instead of going to see her. Like, her family ain't shit. Fuck her family, man. But... There's uh there's 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 really nothing else there's really nothing else to this movie but Maggie lying in bed and then uh like Frank comes in and uh Dr. Jack Convorkians her at the end uh so so that's pretty much that's pretty much the end of the movie like he, if you get that if you get that reference congratulations <laughs> uh what you, you know what jack of working somebody is uh 
this movie's not perfect. It has its flaws. The first half of this movie is slow and boring. Uh, it has characters in it that don't add anything to the story. Like the second and third half of the of the movie is where this movie like really picks up and gets going. Hillary Swank, Hillary Swank, and uh, Morgan Freeman give great performances. I see why they won Oscars. Uh, Clint Eastwood is actually kind of the weak link in this movie. Like his acting is a bit stilted. And it's like he 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 walks through this uh he walks through this uh movie like a fucking robot, but his direction is good. I like his direction. He really shines in his direction. Like it's a very well directed movie. Like I recommend this movie only if you like boxing movies. If you don't like boxing movies, if you don't like art art house dramas, this is probably not the movie for you. You know like. If you're if you're a um, student in film school, I recommend this also. Like just to watch like the the, the direction. If you want to direct a boxing movie, you can learn probably learn a lot from this. Um, I give this movie a three out of five. Join me next week when I will talk about 1995's Casino. Until next time, peace.